Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back out of his seat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center. And he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider, strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Good afternoon. Welcome to our show today from the Guy Harvey Outpost of Tradewinds Island Resorts on St. Pete Beach, our last such program before the All-Star break. This week, we'll get perspective on Alex Colomay making the All-Star team from Rays Coaches, plus get to know more about Brandon Geyer. Today is the Futures game, and we'll hear from the three participants for the Rays. Plus, we'll chat with Cliff Floyd of MLB Network and Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times will join us live from Boston. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. It certainly has been a challenging season for the Rays, especially the past four weeks. But a bright spot has been all-star Alex Colomay. He's been perfect in 19 save attempts, and I asked pitching coach Jim Hickey if he saw this coming. From where we were a year ago and even where we were in spring training, I think he's probably exceeded everybody's expectations and probably even secretly his own. You know, the fact that he's pitched so well in save situations in particular is is really, really telling. And it's a guy that really doesn't have that uh, type of experience at the end of a ball game, but uh, he certainly does now, and it's really, really refreshing. What has it meant for you to see someone take to it so quickly, to evolve so quickly? Because for most, going from starter to reliever is challenging. He did a very nice job going from starter to reliever even before he was the closer. Um, You know, he's had some experience in winter ball also, and that's a very, very high-stress environment down there when you're playing in those ball games, especially in the the championship, um, you know, during the championship round, which lasts uh, four or five weeks at times. Uh, But the fact that he took to, you know, the ninth inning so seamlessly, like I said earlier, a little bit of a surprise, uh, you know, to me. But, uh, you know, it doesn't bowl you over because uh, he never – he had the stuff – First of all, absolutely positively always had the stuff, and he always had the attitude and the intestines for it as well. I spoke with you last year when he had that really good outing in Houston, and I think you compared his ability to make the transition almost quicker than a Wade Davis. So in in hindsight, is, is, is it maybe not as surprising that he was that good that quick? 
Well, yeah, no, absolutely, because, uh, you know, he, he did make the transition quicker than Wade did, and Wade, of course, turned into, you know, one of probably the top five relief pitchers in all of baseball, and I guess you could probably make, make that argument with Alex also, so, uh, you know, I guess looking back on that specific conversation, maybe I ought to be a little bit less uh, surprised, but like I said, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised, but I'm not, uh, you know, blown away by it. One of the big things he did when he made that transition was the change in repertoire to kind of pare things down. How difficult is that, and why do you think he was able to do it so well? I don't think it's all that difficult to kind of pare it down, uh, especially when you're talking about, for the most part, getting three outs. You know, if you're talking about adding a pitch or learning something new, I think that is extremely more difficult than maybe eliminating a curveball or eliminating a changeup, especially when you have two, you know, pretty dominant pitches in the fastball and in the cutter or slider, whatever you want to call it. So uh, you still see the occasional bigger breaking ball, but I would say 97, 98% of his offerings are the hard fastball or the hard cutter. When we see him on the mound, we see that, I don't know if I would say stoic, but a pretty calm demeanor, uh, you know, that that focus. What do you see when you work with him? Is there a sense of humor? What's he like away from his, his outings on the mound? Actually, he's a pretty funny guy. He does have a good sense of humor, but he definitely has that stoicism. I think the thing that strikes me is uh, he has no fear whatsoever. And if you look back on a couple specific games this year, one in Arizona where he loaded the bases with nobody out and Paul Goldschmidt standing there and allowed no runners to score. And another one, I think it was here at home in the exact same situation. He loaded the bases with nobody out and ended up getting out of that as well. Uh, those two examples right there, those, those, those are pretty telling because that's not just a, you know, it wasn't a bit of luck. It could be a bit of luck where you get a line drive and Longo catches it and steps on third you know and now you pop the next guy up but uh, he made pitches uh, when the bases were loaded and nobody out against a couple of the league's best hitters uh, and he did it on a couple of occasions so it was no accident and that is Rays pitching coach Jim Hickey on Alex Colomay who's been the consistent arm in the Tampa Bay bullpen and bullpen coach Stan Borowski had similar praise for Colomay I believe it's the attitude with which he takes the ball. It is give me the ball and get out of my way. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to attack the strike zone with everything I have, and good luck hitting it. Usually when a guy goes from starter to reliever, there's a transition period. There didn't seem to be much. What were the biggest things that you guys helped him with to adjust to that new role? Well, I think him understanding that he couldn't throw every day and that the daily conditioning was a little bit different than he was used to as a starter and getting used to the ups and downs of the bullpen as far as you're up, you're loose, then you have to sit back down, then you might get up again the next inning and just transitioning the arm and um, the body to be able to do that type of thing. You also don't use your repertoire as much in terms of all the kinds of pitches he had. Looks like everything got simplified. Uh, yeah, for sure. He's not out there trying to quote-unquote pitch as much as he is just going out there and attacking the strike zone. And he has some really, really power stuff coming out of the pen, and he's able to utilize that to the, to the, uh, to the max. What's the level of pride to see a guy make that transition so quickly and do so well in his first full year in the role? Oh, it just makes me feel great. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be more happy for him. I couldn't be more happy for us as an organization to have a young man like that uh, represent us at the All-Star Game and uh, looking forward to watching him there. Obviously, we see what he's like on the mound, but what is he like off the mound in the bullpen during the game? Is he serious? Is he funny? What's kind of his demeanor? Well, um, he's funny. He's loose. He's uh, under control. He's relaxed uh, until it's time to go. And then when it's time to go, uh, he flips the switch and the serious face comes on and he's ready to go. Race bullpen coach Stan Borowski is right. Alex Colomay has been impressive out of the race pen since day one this season. Colomay's work has impressed his coaches and teammates like Evan Longoria. 
Um, he's been our most consistent piece down there in the bullpen. Um, and, and also um, being that he was a, a converted starter, you know, going into that role is, is not easy. And so he's, he's handled it. Um, he's handled it, I mean, obviously like an all-star and, and, um, and better than uh, I think anyone uh, in here would have uh, put any kind of expectations on him. You know, his stuff has always been there. It's just when you move a guy into a, a closer's role from a starter, you never know what's going to happen. And, and he's um, he's been unbelievable. Um, his mentality, uh, the way he's handled it, and um, and like I said, just just very deserving of being being an all-star. Evan, why do you think he succeeded in that transition so well? Because there are a lot of guys who don't. Um, I think a lot of it. I mean, you, you hear that term closer mentality a lot, and um, I I don't I think. Um, you know, the first part of that is just belief in your stuff and belief that um, you know if you get into trouble uh, that you're going to be able to pitch out of it. Um, and at the same time, um, being uh, calm. You know, I think we, we when we had Grant here, he was kind of the opposite. You know, he needed to <laughs> he needed to amp himself up to go out there and get it done. And and some guys are, are like that. And I think Alex is is the opposite. He's always pretty even keel and. Um, even when uh, faced with uh, tremendous adversity, if he gets a couple guys on and we're we're only up a run, I mean he he never really panics and um, he's he's gotten the job done uh, in in some tough situations. And we've asked a lot out of him too, you know, to pitch multiple innings and uh, come in, in some situations where a closer may not come in, and he's handled it very well. And that's Evan Longoria on Alex Colomay, the Rays All-Star. Now, Longoria handled not making the All-Star team extremely well, too. The Rays' third baseman certainly is deserving. He's on a pace for a personal record and extra base hits. And I asked hitting coach Derek Shelton why Longoria has had this kind of season. He's been really consistent. I think we've seen him drive the ball to all fields. Uh, we've seen his power, you know, come back in streaks where we've seen it in the past, but he's been able to maintain it. And I, I think his swing's probably in the best place we've seen it, seen it in the last couple of years. He talked during the season about the slight adjustment that he made opening his stance a little bit. How much did that help him, do you think? I think it helped him. I think it put him in a position where, you know, we talked about this winter where we wanted his hands and his feet to be, and I think just the slight adjustment he made in terms of, of where he put his feet was able to enable him to, to get the rest of his swing in the right slot. And that leads more to the power than anything? or I think it leads to him being in a better hitting position, which in essence leads to him driving the ball more, and I think we're seeing the ball that, balls that he's driven now get out of the ballpark. This ball club certainly hasn't put up the runs you'd hope for with all the injuries, but they have hit the home run ball more. Do you think that's also helped him relax a little bit, that he has confidence that some other guys provide maybe a little more protection in the past couple of years? Yeah, I think our lineup is deeper. I mean, it's not uh, as deep as we want it to be just because of the injuries and when we lost guys, but I think he's been protected a little bit more, and I think it, it, it has helped him a little bit. And the mental side of the game, how critical is that for a guy like Evan who knows that he's still going to be circled in purple as the guy in the lineup? Yeah, he's going to be. I mean, you know, He's the guy that I think everybody talks about in their advanced meeting when they come in to face the Rays. But uh, mentally, he's tough. Mentally, he prepares as well as anybody probably I've ever been around, and uh, he grinds it. I mean, he's a guy that goes out and plays every day regardless of how he feels. And mentally, that's difficult, and uh, I think he's really a mentally tough guy. That's hitting coach Derek Shelton on Evan Longoria, who's impressed with 19 homers, 47 ribbies, leading the Rays going into the All-Star break. Coming up, get to know more about Brandon Geyer. We continue after this. This is This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and our feature guest this week is outfielder Brandon Geyer. And Brandon, first of all, it's good to have you back in the lineup now on a regular basis. How are you feeling here as you've come back from really your first leg injury, um, as a as a professional yeah i feel good um you know like you said 
I've never really had hamstring issues before. Um, Muscular-wise, it's really just kind of been oblique. Um, So it it was a different kind of rehab. I didn't know what to expect, but um, got a lot of good work in with the trainers and was smart with it, and, uh, you know, I feel pretty good. What were the biggest challenges? I mean, you've had had more, I would say, freak injuries during the course of your uh, career to this point. What's the hardest part about sitting out? Um, just not being able to, uh, go to battle with the guys. Uh, you know, we're here every day putting the work in and, um, you know, this is what I love to do. This is what, this is my job. Um, so to be on the bench watching them, you know, best I can do is to cheer them on when I'm, when I'm hurt. But, um, obviously I want to be out there with them and, um, and try to help them win and just be out there with the guys. So, uh, that was really tough. And, um, you know, personally, I was starting to play a lot and everything, so it came. There's no good time to get hurt, but um, you know, so that kind of stunk. But you know, it is what it is, and, and I'm back now. Was there anything you learned through the process? I mean, was there anything that you could have done preventatively or gotten yourself a day off here or there before that, or mm-hmm. it happens? It happens. Um, possibly. You know, I look back on it. I first felt it the first day in Kansas City. Um, kept playing with it for, for I think it was four days and it, it, it was getting worse and you know I kept getting treatment and you know if I if I were to say something I regret not not being smarter about it the first time I felt it catch in in Kansas City um, but there's multiple reasons why I didn't you know I wanted to keep to stay in the lineup and um, and I've never had a hammy like a big hammy problem so I wasn't sure if it was just tightness or what but um, you know, you can always look back and regret things, but it happened, and, uh, you know, I'm just glad I'm back. Is that kind of the hardest part of, you know, what probably the fan doesn't understand is how much you actually end up playing through during the course of the season, aside from the actual injuries that can sideline you? For sure. I think a lot of guys, uh, game one of the season, aren't 100% because you go through spring training, you're playing a lot. Uh, maybe that first day in spring training you're 100%, but um, everyone's going to go through through uh, you know certain rough patches, you know soreness, pain, whatever. Um, but you know that's why you go in the training room, do what you can to get out on the field, and uh, just go out there and grind and and just be smart and know your body and know how much you can push it and you know when it's a difference from soreness and pain and when it's something that you can make a lot worse. Um, you know, and that's what. I finally said something about my hamstrings. I knew I was one more sprint away from really, really messing it up. So it's a fine line. It's tough. I know you're a big fan of UFC, maybe the biggest one in the clubhouse. How is a UFC fighter like a a baseball player has to get through a 162-game season? Yeah, you know, with them, you see they're fighting. They have broken... You know, in the middle of the fight, they'll break a hand, break a finger, break a toe. But for them, they have so much adrenaline going. I think they don't really feel it till after the fight. But um, even with them, just seeing their interviews and hearing them talk after the fights, they always say they go in there very sore and hurt just from all the training and sparring that they do just to get ready for the fight. So I guess it's similar in that way that, you know, they're going into their individual battle probably a little sore and have some pain like we do. So. Do you have a favorite UFC fighter or a favorite weight class to watch? And if so, what is it? Um, no favorite weight class. I like them all. Um, 
It's easy. I like Conor McGregor. I mean, he's a big name right now. He's just, I just like his training, how he trains movement and stuff like that. And I try to put that into a lot of my training this off season, just to try to be more functional and um, smart with the way I trained. Um, so I like that's the thing I like about UFC guys is watching the background, watching what they do to get to the fight. Um, and then he talks a big game and he backs it up. So he's fun to watch. And I'm really into the woman, you know, watching them fight and, uh, you know. I really, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go with Connor, but I like all weight classes, and I really just like to watch all the fights. What weight class would you be in, and would you ever, if you were not in baseball, could you ever seen yourself doing something like that? Yeah, if I wasn't in baseball, I, I probably would. It's just, you know, I'm too late in my uh, life to even want to start trying to do that stuff. But if I started early uh you know, before my 20s and stuff, when the next generation of fighters, they're starting when they're 10 years old. Um, I, I could see myself doing that. Um, but what weight class I would fight in, uh, walk around around 205, 210. So I'd probably cut down to probably a middleweight. I think that's 185. That'd be a, Even though there's some big dudes there. I might want to go down to 170, but that's cutting a lot of weight. Um, so I'm going to say 185 right now. I thought it was interesting you said Conor McGregor because you like to smack talk. You don't seem like a guy who would be into a guy. You don't you don't talk a lot of smack, or at least it doesn't appear to. Yeah, no, but he, he's the guy that he, he goes out there, and every time you hear him talk, he, he's going to go back it up, though. Um, for me personally, I, I don't do that a lot, but maybe because I don't do it is the reason I like watching him do it. I, I don't know how that works, but he's just very entertaining, and he uh, catches your eye, and uh, so I respect that about him. Will Lindsay watch UFC matches with you, and if so, does she have a favorite? Yeah, she watches just about all of them. You know, nowadays with two kids, she she goes to bed a little earlier, which is understandable. So um, she's not watching all of them, but she enjoys it. She's gotten into it. She's gone to a couple live events with me. Um, what's her favorite fighter? I don't know. She like, I think she likes John Jones a lot. She interviewed him back in dc when she was working for fox um for one of his big fights and he was really cool with her and they had a cool interview at some restaurant um so i'm gonna say john jones for people who don't know obviously Lindsay was a former tv anchor before you guys started a family and i know a couple weeks back she did the hosting uh, co-hosted the race on the runway what did it mean to see her get to do that and and kind of do something that meant so much to the race community Oh, it was great. You know, that's something she loves to do. She's such a natural at it, too. Um, and when the opportunity came, you know, she just volunteered and said she would do it if, if they wanted her. And um, she's emceed some events in the past. And uh, for me, I wasn't able to be out there a ton just because I was in the back getting dressed and walking the runway and also watching our kids in the in the daycare area. Um, but after we walked, when they were doing the live auctions, I went out into the actual crowd and watched her do her thing. And um, no, I was really proud of her. She did it, and she did it for it was something for a great cause, and she absolutely loved doing it. And I've heard, you know, a lot of people said how good she did, and you know, it doesn't surprise me at all. And you mentioned your kids. Uh, you were watching at that time, Riley and Camden. You've got a boy and a girl now. What are the biggest challenges now that you guys are even strength in terms of parents versus kids? Um, it's definitely double duty. Um, you know, but Lindsay, Lindsay does so much. I mean, she gets up there in the night with them. Um, She's basically with them all day, and especially when I'm on the road, it's all her. Um, so it's a lot of work. Um, you know, for her, she tries to get anytime she can to just go get a workout in and stuff. Even that's hard for her to do. So she 
so worried about taking care of them and doesn't have much time for herself. Um, so it's it's definitely challenging, but it's the coolest thing in the world, and uh, we're really blessed and lucky to have a daughter and son that we do. How are each like you? I know they're very young, so it's probably harder to tell, but how are Riley and Camden each like you, and how are they each like Lindsay? Uh, Riley, she's just she's almost like I feel like I have a boy like the way she just throws herself like always running in jumping on jumping and just going running around crazy um so I think and she's always has a bat in her hands like hitting it off ball off the tee so I'm gonna say in that aspect she's like me um Camden um I don't know he doesn't really do much right now <laughs> he's just kind of chill so I say maybe in that way he's like me because I feel like I'm pretty chill and and everything um and how they're like Lindsay, um, I don't know. I mean, Riley's beautiful like her, so I'm going to say that. And Camden is uh, just a great, great uh, person like Lindsay, so I'm going to go with that too. There you go. You've won points. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, some of the things you do to try and, you know, deal with some of the injuries that you've had and, and how you've battled. I'm curious from a nutrition standpoint, you're known as one of the cleaner eaters on the team. So what are some of the things you do that may be unique to what a baseball player would do or, or unique to most? Um, well, I put a lot of time into uh, preparing and I'll just say for like road trips, I have a whole carry on bag where it's just food. So it's, you know, I can have just healthy, I don't know, granola or just healthy snacks with me on the road in case I'm ever, ever hungry. So I don't have to go to, you know, go anywhere from the hotel and, um, maybe not be the healthiest alternative. So, um, I do that. Uh, Archer and I always try to go to a Whole Foods or some sort of store on the, on the road and stock up at the field and, and get that good food into us. But, um, you know, I feel like nowadays more and more guys are doing it. They, they realize how, how good it can be for you to give you energy and keep you healthy. So, um, I think in that way, I'm a little different. Most unique food in the carry on bag. Uh, and are these all things that your family would eat? Um, no, they wouldn't eat at all. I'm going to say uh, kale chips right now are the most unique. Um, a lot of people hate on them, but I feel like if you actually try them, they're pretty good. Once you get over like the texture and out of your head that it's kale chips, um, I actually really love them. <laughs> um, so I'll go with that and know my family... Riley might. We haven't even tried it yet, but I know Lindsay wouldn't touch him. You're about to get some family time. All-Star break coming up here. What does the All-Star break mean, and how important is it for family time before the second half? Uh, it's awesome. You know, it's time to, uh, after the grind of the first half, give your body a little rest. And, um, you know, you're on the road so much and at the field so much, even when you're home, you're, you're not around your family a lot, um, especially just like the family here with you. But the family, uh, you know, back back in Maryland for me and, and Virginia, you know, I get to see them more uh, during the all-star break. So that's, that's huge. And, um, you know, it, it'll come at a great time and, uh, really excited for it. And, uh, it always goes by so fast cause it's so much fun and, and everything, but, uh, we all love it. And this is the all-star break tradition for you. Where do you go? Yeah, we go to ocean city, Maryland. Um, uh, so I'll probably stay the extra night in Boston and fly to Salisbury, the closest hotel or closest airport and then stay stay there for three days fly back here um so yeah it works out our family always has their vacation during that time and it works out with the all-star game well 
enjoy the rest, the relaxation, and uh, hopefully refreshed for play after the break. We appreciate a few minutes on this week in race baseball. All right, thank you. That's Brandon Geyer joining us. We'll continue right after this on the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to this week in race baseball. Neil Solon's with you. Joining us now to discuss the week gone by from Boston is Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, thanks very much for being with us. Come on, Neil. You know it's always my pleasure and my highlight. <laughs> of course. And that's the way it's written in the script. Let's start with uh, what you summarized today. We have a today. script? We have a script? You've been following it to a T. Okay. You've been great. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> let's, let's start with what you touched on today in the Times, and that's the, the good and certainly more of the bad of this first half. It, it, I would, was it easy for you to come up with the, the best part of and the most valuable player on this team from now until the break? Well, it actually was, Neil, because I think you know any of us that have been around the team, it's, it's hard not to be impressed with the season Evan Longoria has had, and, and, and in a way maybe even enhanced by the fact that there's been so much bad going on around him and and he's having such a good year. I mean, potentially career-best numbers, uh, power numbers, you know, the projections he's right on are, are better than his career highs in a lot of things. So I think that was pretty clear, although you could make a pretty good case for Alex Colomay. I mean, it's hard to beat perfection, and this was a guy that wasn't supposed to be the mm-hmm. closer stepping in done so well. So th- those two guys, to me, stand far out and above everything else that has happened here. I mean, you can look at some specific things. Forsythe's played well when he's been healthy. Pierce was good when he was healthy. You know, Brad Miller's hit, you know, probably in excessive in exceeding the expectations that the Rays had, but, you know, then you have to factor in the defense. So mm-hmm. I think Longoria and Colome are clearly the two biggest bright spots of this season. And you had a lot of choices on the disappointments. You went with Chris Archer. For, hopefully people will read with that, what you wrote about it in the Tampa Bay Times, and I certainly uh, impress upon them to do so. But kind of summarize why you went with Archer. Well, you know, to me it was actually a, a debate between Archer and Smiley, although I did throw up a Twitter poll, and, and Archer's running away with that, for whatever that's worth, from the fan mm. standpoint, or at least the ones uh, clicking on the, on the Twitter account on TB Times underscore Rays. But I think to me is Chris Archer as much because of what he represented as well as the success he had. I mean, he did struggle in the second half last year. I think it was easy for many of us to gloss over that because he had such a good first half. He was the, he was the all-star representative. But coming into this season, it was clear that Chris Archer was was put into or took upon himself that leadership role in the pitching staff. And he was the guy that was going to lead that staff. That staff was going to be a big part of the reason the Rays were going to do so well. It was considered one of the best staffs in all of baseball. I wrote that myself, so I'm as guilty as anyone of, of buying into the hype and perpetuating that hype. But that it just has not been there. And I think, to me, what stands out with Chris Archer is that it's been this frustrating reason. It's not like, okay, he was hurt, and that's why he has a pitch well. Or there's something, you know, hitters are on to his slider. It's not working anymore. It's just been kind of the same answer of he's not aggressive enough. He has trouble in the first inning, and then he pitches better. So I think there's things that if you look at it from the outside, you'd think should be correctable. So all of that funnels into the silo of why I picked him as the most disappointing player. And you mentioned he's healthy, but certainly a lot of Rays have not, and it made sense to have Kevin Kiermeyer at the top of the impactful injuries. No doubt. And, and again, I think you know, if you're around this team, you know how much energy Kevin Kiermeyer brings, Neil. I mean, you, you've been in that clubhouse many, many times, and Kiermeyer's the guy that just kind of gets guys up. He gets guys to, to not feel sorry for themselves, to realize you know, the joy that they have of playing Major League Baseball. And, and he's an energy guy, and I know he's around at home, but it's just different. When you're not an active player, you just can't kind of carry that the team. You can't have as big of a presence as you do, and, and I think it's just one of those things, the way baseball works. He hasn't been on the road until this trip, so having Kevin Kiermaier back will, will like literally and figuratively spark the lineup. I think he'll bring a lot of energy. 
He'll give the fans someone to kind of to cheer for and watch. It's been kind of a frustrating year all the way around because some of the fan favorites have been disappointing. You know, we talked about Archer previously. So I think Kevin Kiermaier will add a lot. And But to me, you know, from the moment he got hurt in Detroit, I mean, just literally, if you count that game as one of the losses, just their record since he got hurt has been abysmal, and that's a huge reason why. No doubt. And, yeah, Alex Colomay makes the All-Star game, and we heard from some of his coaches earlier on the program. What has impressed you most about Alex? Well, I, I'm going to agree with Kevin Cash on this and, and Longoria. I've talked to both of them about this, and, and I totally agree. It's how calm Alex Colomay has been in this situation. I mean, we've all seen pitchers that get thrust into, you know, kind of get elevated. They get promoted from pitching in the sixth and seventh inning to then the pitching in the eighth, and then suddenly they're pitching in the ninth, and everyone tells you those last three outs are different. And we've seen a lot of guys, Neil, go out there, and they have that deer in the headlights look. They look scared. They look frantic. They don't have their best stuff because they just they, they can't handle the, the pressure even they put on themselves and the perceived and the real pressure. Alex Colomay, he looks the same. You couldn't tell if he was pitching the sixth inning or the ninth inning. And you know, Longoria said he goes out to the mound and he usually looks in the pitcher's eyes and that gives him a good feel for what's going to happen. And, and he said he can't think of a time that he hasn't been out there and Colomay just had that look like, I got this. And and that's been most impressive. I mean, we know he's got a great fastball. He's got that great slider cutter. You know, he's thinned down his repertoire. He's been aggressive. He's thrown strikes. All the standard things for a pitcher. But to me, that he could step into that role, never having done it before in the minors or the majors. He did do it a little bit in winter ball and do so well. It's been remarkable. Mark, great stuff. We'll talk to you after, after the break. Enjoy the rest. All right, Neil, enjoy that wild vacation you're going on. I heard about that. Yeah, that's Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. After today's game again begins the break, and tonight the Futures game in San Diego where three players are going to represent the Rays. Now, one of the three, former first-round pick Ryan Stanek, was recently promoted to AAA Durham, and I asked Stanek what going to the Futures game means. Um, it, was, it was really cool. Um, it was a really cool experience to be able to go and play in a Futures game. And when I got told, we were actually in Biloxi. And um, I just... Brady just goes, hey, Ryan, uh, I need to see you in the office. And um, walked in, and he sat me down, and he goes, what'd you do? And I was like, what? Just kind of confused. And he goes, what'd you do? Because uh, I got an email from Mitch. And he goes, it said you're going to the Futures game. And I was like, that's that's pretty awesome and like it was like he was just like congratulations and stuff like that it was it was, it was a pretty neat deal what are you most excited about about this experience just being able to go out and play in like a game like this against some of the best players in in minor league baseball and like see how i stack up against those guys and um and, and uh, just be able to play like in a big league park and do all that stuff right now is, is is cool. Do you have a greater appreciation for this than most? I mean, for people who don't know your storyline, you were a first round pick in 2013, but you kind of battled injury the first couple of years in the race system. Yeah, yeah, my first couple of years weren't weren't quite the, the smoothest smoothest of years. Didn't quite go like as I'd hoped. Um, my pro career would start, but. Uh, uh, it, it does feel good to finally like be back on track and doing things the way like I feel like I could have done from the get go if I wouldn't have had some injuries and stuff like kind of pop up. But it is a uh, it does feel good to be able to do something like this and be recognized for like playing how I feel like I'm capable of playing again. 
You mentioned the chance to play in a big league ballpark in San Diego for the Futures game. And again, we're chatting with pitcher Ryan Stanek. And Ryan, in spring training, you got a chance to pitch against major leaguers in Lakeland. I got to see you face the Tigers, and you had four pretty good innings, and it looked like if the gun was right, you're throwing 98 to 100 miles an hour and change. How much confidence did that give you, that outing that you had there going into the regular season? A lot, actually, I feel like, because it's one of those things where, like, I face most of their, their starting lineups, and pretty pretty dang good lineup that they have so it's like being able to go out there and have some success against them and hold my own kind of makes you realize that it's not that far off like being able to have some success at that level like realizing that even if you make a mistake sometimes they'll like like they're not perfect up there at all times like it's it's one of those things where you, sometimes you see, um, like as you're going through like like the minor leagues and stuff like that, you think that like big leaguers never make mistakes and stuff like that, and just realizing that like your stuff and what you do is is good enough to compete, I feel like is a big step. The velocity that you're showing this year so far, is it higher than it's been? And if so, have you done anything differently or did you do something differently in the offseason to get ready? Um, I've been able to do, like, I was able to throw, throw like this, like, in college, um, here and there, like, like at the top end. But, like, consistently I've actually been throwing a little bit harder than I had in college, which, is, which has been kind of cool. And I, I really didn't do anything like out of the ordinary training wise. I just kind of went into off season with the mindset that I wanted to get stronger, be just in better shape and just healthy and kind of like tailor my whole workout to like building strength early and then like maintaining like good health and flexibility and stability and stuff like that towards the end as we got closer to spring training and it's uh it's kind of worked out for me obviously it has you know you began the year in the rotation and then you moved to the bullpen uh and you really taken off since then uh what was the thought process when you originally went to the bullpen one was a feeling and obviously you've embraced it yeah initially i was a little like disappointed because i felt like i'd thrown pretty well like i had a couple games where where kind of i feel like it skewed my numbers a little bit but i mean it's like I'm here to do whatever it takes to get to the big leagues and be a factor and try to get there as fast as possible is is of course the goal and if throwing in the bullpen is going to get me into the big leagues faster that's what I'm more than willing to do. What's been the uh, the biggest adjustment, the mental or the physical of of preparing your body to pitch out of the pen? Um, I would say probably probably a bigger load like a little bit physically um just because you're used to having consistent like five days off mm-hmm. like and then throwing being able to have that for sure rest but uh um other than that i don't like mentally it's just not trying to conserve anything you just go out there and attack for however long you're in there go as hard as you can as long as you can and um let the manager decide when you're done. 
Do you think it's kind of an advantage for you, the fact that you're only going to face, or at least in most of these cases, it looks like you haven't faced anyone more than once. You know, you're going once through a lineup, and your stuff obviously is pretty explosive. Yeah, it definitely it definitely helps whenever some like you can only get to you only get to see the lineup one time. Um, they, everybody has their scouting reports, and they know like that I'm somebody that throws a fastball a lot, and most teams go out there and try to be like aggressive early, and they don't want to get behind. So if I can execute a couple of good pitches early and put them in a hole, that's like that makes. It makes it a lot easier because they can only they, they can't really see everything. They just have to try to jump on one one pitch early, and it it uh it puts me in a good position to like execute good pitches. I feel like. And that's now Durham reliever Ryan Stanek headed to tonight's Futures game with Montgomery starting pitcher Chi Wei Hu. Mm, just to you know, just feel good. I, I try working harder than my season uh, this season. And and even thinking about future stand, but I think like yeah, last year, but I missed last year. Last year, not in the future stand. So this year, I'm in the future stand, I feel very excited and feel very happy and I feel good. Why have you done well this year? Just uh, just keep just like keeping working hard and. I know the, I know when the double is a that was very uh, you know the, the label is very good like everybody's good like team is good and I'm just try doing the best one I need to do and the best just do the best best one I do. How have the coaches helped you this year? They want they want they want me like you know like. Um, because like, I have like fastball, curveball, uh, changeup, and curveball before, and I feel much. I don't. I not, I not feel like. I not feel like. I feel. I only feel like that in palm ball, and they wanted me walking slider, and they helped me like how how they can consistent like mm-hmm. and, you know to quick quickly finish your hitter like you don't need to throw a lot a lot of balls like finish hitter like. Uh, Help me so like long innings, like like show innings, and uh, give me my velocity. Every inning is the same. Like no, like like the first first two and the first three innings, you still hot. You still hot, but after three innings, you still like you still like a only your velocity is going down. That is Chi Wei Hu, who's been top ten in the AA Southern League in ERA for most of the year, and headed to the Futures game. The third race prospect at tonight's game in San Diego is perhaps the best prospect in the race system in twenty-year-old AA shortstop Willie Adamas, who is thrilled for the opportunity. Oh my God, that's a huge pleasure for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel blessed and thankful of God to give me this opportunity to go to the Futures game. That 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 was like one of my goals for this year. I mean. We've been working for that, and when when Brady when Brady told me that, I mean, I wasn't expecting that 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 news that he gonna tell me that, but it was huge for me. I mean, I feel really good, man. I can't 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 tell you how how happy I was when when he told me that that I was about to go to the to this game, but it was it was unbelievable, man. What are you most excited about about that game? I mean to be there to be there with 
competing with all those guys, with all those really good players that they're gonna gonna be there and to play in the in the in the, in the big league field, mm-hmm. the San Diego field. I think that's that's really 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 impressive for me and uh, so special, man. I'm just happy, man. You you obviously when you get invited to the futures game, you've had a good year. So what do you think? Where do you think you're better than last year? I think I'm better this year mentally than than the than the field because last year I was like kind of frustrated a little bit after the first half, and this year I think I'm more mature and uh, I've been working on. My defense and my hitting. Right now, I'm, I'm not doing very well, but we're working with my coach, Demand, and my manager, Brady. We're working on my hitting, and I think I'm better mentally this year than last year. And I know how much winning means to you. You're winning in the second half. How important is that to you? Oh, my God, it's huge, man. We didn't, we didn't win the first half, but we, we, I think we're going to do the second half. Because we we like we start doing the little things on the field and as a team and the team is playing really well. Pitching is doing well. Hitting that we're doing we're doing the big hit at the right moment and the team the team is doing pretty well right now. So that means a lot. Now for you playing, you're only 20 still. You're playing in the Southern League. How much better is the competition this year than last year? It's pretty, pretty different, I think, because it's most guys with more experience and guys like strong. I think they're stronger, and you gotta be more mentally prepared here. And the competition is pretty, pretty hard here. I think it's harder than the Warriors State League, but because we got. We got a lot of a lot of good players over here. Then. And for you, do you have any other than trying to win a championship? Do you have any goals for the second half? <laughs> like I say to to my manager Brady, my my first goal for this year was like future games. And after winning a championship, my second goal is to get that card out to big league. And we're working for it, you know. You got to play in some spring training games this year. Did that help your confidence? Yeah, I guess. I guess so, yeah. It's pretty, pretty good to go to the big league games and spring training to be with all those guys that, that we just saw them in TV and, like, they are kind of our role to go to the, to the big league. And I think, I think, I think it's helping me. Did you learn a lot? Um, yeah, yeah. To be there and those guys always, they always talk to, to us and they tell us what they come through for the minor leagues. And I, I was I was talking a lot with Archer and he was telling me a lot of things, a lot of good things that helped, I think, helped me to, to get more mature mentality. Well, hopefully more good days are ahead for you. Enjoy the Futures game in San Diego. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, man, for for having me. And that is Willie Adamas. And you can watch the Futures game tonight on the MLB Network at 7 
this evening. Coming up, we'll have Cliff Floyd of MLB Network right after this on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball and have the pleasure of joining us, a guy who was on the Race World Series team in 08, and he's become a mainstay now on MLB Network, Cliff Floyd. Cliff, thanks for a few minutes. Oh, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Let's uh, touch on the American League races right now. The East is the closest one right now between the Orioles and the Red Sox and the Jays. Which of the three teams do you like and why? Well, you know, I've been talking about the O's a lot because they, they, their offense is so deep. A little worried about the starting pitch. I think the back end with Britain is pretty good. Um, you know, I look at Toronto as being that team. If they can keep the big boys in the middle, once they get Joey Bass back on the field, um, and Canarsion is having a terrific year. Tulo just got back out there. Michael Saunders, no, he's not still in bags, but he has been a catalyst for, for, for Gibby in the middle of that lineup. So if they can get a, if they can get a starting pitcher uh, before that July 31st deadline, they'll be another team because Aaron Sanchez is probably going to the bullpen. And then when you look at the overall, the Red Sox ain't going nowhere. I know their pitching is a little suspect, but you know they're hitting the cover off the baseball. They're doing all the things to keep themselves in the game. If they add a pitcher, um, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be who 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 really beats up on the outside of the ALEs. Uh, it's probably gonna be the guy. So I, I'm, right now I'm leaning towards you know Toronto for the simple fact that they got a little bit more depth from a pitching standpoint. And certainly that has come to fruition at this point. The most quality starts right now in that division and the league. The team that in the American League has been most impressive overall with the pitching is Cleveland. Now, what, how deep can they go? I mean, they're doing this really without Michael Brantley, their best player. Yeah, they really are. I mean, I think when you look at the production um, from first base and DH with Napoli and Santana, has been off the charts, right? And then supporting cast is always big when you talk about, you know, accountability with young guys. And I think Terry Francona has done a terrific job. Tyler Naquin, Lonnie Chisenhall, Jose Ramirez, all these guys are getting a shot at, at the title. And if you want to stay, and, you know, I always say opportunity for young guys don't come too often, but when you get it, you have to take full advantage of it. So I think they're pushing all the right buttons, but the guys have to come to the park knowing what their role is and not trying to do too much. But you said it right. The pitching has been terrific. Trevor Bauer goes to the bullpen, comes back, and it's been terrific. Josh Tomlin, everybody's worried about the back half of rotations. They have the best. Without question. Who adds among the other American League teams? Because Texas has been among the teams with the best record, but they've had a lot of injuries to yeah. their starting pitching. Yeah, they, they really have. And, you know, I, well, I come out of spring training, and I looked at that squad and, and, and told Jeff Bannister, if you don't have the best bullpen in baseball, I don't know who does. And all of a sudden, it flipped, right? They didn't have the best bullpen. Sean Towson was awful early on. But when, when you look at, you know, losing Darvish and losing Holland and losing Kobe Lewis, how do you go out there and win ball games? They've been struggling from a starting, you know, rotation standpoint. And if they don't make a move, I mean, they have the luxury right now Right, because you have a little lead, a little cushion, but that'll go fast. At Houston's kind of starting to find itself a little bit. Maybe starting to be the team that we thought they'd be at the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah I think that's that, that that's true, one hundred percent. Because you know, I mean, when you talk about not having Dallas Keiko as as been what Dallas Dallas Keiko has been, um, somebody else has to step up. I think when you look at the bullpen, AJ Hinch did a terrific job, right? Will Harris now is a closer. Luke Gregerson, um, Ken Giles is starting to come on. So if you can bridge that gap, shorten the games a little bit, they do have some youngsters. And in this day and age, you and I both know they 100, 100 pitches. We go into the bullpen. They have a nice little bullpen going to Houston. They do, and they also have some of the best young players yes. in the game, yeah. and that helps too. How how much do you like Carlos Correa and George Springer at the top of that lineup? I love them. I love them. I think you know what AJ Hinch has done a terrific job of understanding. 
you know, how to maximize the potential, right? Maximize what you're going to do. I mean, maximize the production. And if you're going to get these guys to, you know, to play up the capabilities, then put a little pressure on them. You know what, George Springer, you're on the roll. Guess who hitting first? You are. So you're going to get ready at 645 to go for that 705 pitch. Mine, you know, mine over matter. And I think he's done a, a nice job of selling in, um, not trying to do too much, taking more pitches. He's not selling bags, which is not a big deal because you got Altuve and, and, and you know, and, and Correa, as you mentioned, you know, doing their job. The one team we haven't mentioned is the defending world champs. Kansas City has really been hit by the injury bug. Can they get back in this and get to the postseason right now? They have the mindset to do it. I really think they do. I think, you know, when you lose Wade Davis, then you start to, like, you know, you start to lose your hair a little bit. And I think Ned Yost is trying to figure out. But they had a nice little bullpen, you know, as well. They're getting some good play from the little youngsters that have come up, right? You get Alice Gordon back on the field. That's been good. So the nucleus of their squad, I know you don't have Moose over at third, um, but their youngsters have stepped up and did a terrific job. And I think, you know, when you win, something about just going to the post and knowing that, you know, we have a shot to stand this thing. Some teams will probably be deer in headlights because they haven't been there. And then, you know what, we've won and been there the last couple of years. It'll work in our favor. Handicap the American League for me. Which team is aggressive to add starting pitching or bullpen pitching that need it? And then after that, who do you see as the teams to beat in this, in this league going forward? Well, I think for me, when, when you talk about adding starting pitching, you know, it's easy, uh, you know, when you look at Boston, right? When, when you invest in a guy like David Price and you have Big Poppy uh, in the last, um, you know, year of his career, you're going you're gonna to probably exalt every option you can. I think David Dabrowski will do that. They have the means. When you look at Texas, they also have it. So, you know, I look at both those teams uh, and, and, and wonder who's going to pull the trigger and maybe come down here to Tampa and, and, and try to get one of these young guys that they have here. So, for me, it's, it's, it's Boston and the Texas Rangers – uh, that, that need to probably add starting pitching. If Toronto does, and then I think they're the team that comes out in the American League. And where does Cleveland fit in all that? You know what? I, that's, a, that's a great question because I think Cleveland is in the, in the conversation. I talked about them yesterday. When you talk, you know, I, I, they, I was asked about who's sharing the top spot when you talk about rankings. And I threw Cleveland out there, and people was like, ah, well, you know, they'll, they'll fall off. They're not going to fall off because they have starting pitching. The only reason they will fall off is if they get these guys in the second half of the season who haven't played this much, uh, they start to get overexposed and tired. If that happens, then we'll have a team that played great and then be frustrated in the end because they don't have enough stamina to get through. Should be a great final couple months. Thanks for joining us, Cliff. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And that is Cliff Floyd of MLB Network and, of course, O'Reilly in 2008 on the World Series team. Special thanks to him and all of our guests on the show, pitching coach Jim Hickey, bullpen coach Stan Borowski, hitting coach Derek Shelton, as well as Mark Topkin at the Tampa Bay Times, Rays outfielder Brandon Geyer, and Futures Game participants Willie Adamas, Chiway Hu, and Ryan Stanek. And certainly special thanks to our producer today, Trey Downey. Next week, we'll get to know more about Alex Colony and his all-star game experience. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, just tweet me at Neil Solons. I'm Neil Solons. Stay tuned for the pregame show on the Rays Baseball Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.